All right, this morning I want to pick up um, on the series that I've been teaching into after, over the last couple of months. And um, firstly, if you haven't had a listen to the messages that Karen, uh, Karen and Trent brought last weekend, um, get on to SoundCloud and have a listen. There was a, just some great teaching about community that's centred on Jesus and, um, and God's heart for being in the context of a local church and fellowship and particularly uh, walking in relationship with each other in all sorts of small groups and small group opportunities. And So I want to encourage you, jump on to SoundCloud, have a listen to that. That was a really good message, really, really good bit of teaching and there's some practical invitation in that to, uh, to engage in. This morning though, I want to keep pushing into this whole area of... Um, vision that the Lord started me teaching on a couple of months back. And so let's just pray. And then um, Holy Spirit, as we spend some time in the Bible, we ask that it, the, the, the words on the pages would literally leap from the pages to our hearts and that you would, Lord, um, invite us into the greater revelation that you have for us as, as the people of Jesus and for every person here today that might be even struggling with understanding if they're in a, in a relationship with you, Jesus, or they're unsure of that relationship, I pray that as we open the Scriptures today, by your Holy Spirit, you would make yourself known, Lord Jesus, to every single person here and every, all of the kids next door as well and even the people that will be driving past in their cars. Come, Lord Jesus, bring a revelation of your good love and kingdom for everyone. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, this morning I want to talk about faith and uh, how faith, uh, the journey of faith in regards to a life of vision. Traditionally, when we, we speak about faith, often people will, uh, we, we kind of think of the, a, a moment of where a gift of faith might manifest in our life for a circumstance or a context or if we're praying for someone to get healed or whatever, the gift of faith comes. We're not talking about that this morning. We're not talking about that this morning. We're actually talking about faith, and we'll unpack this out of the book of Hebrews this morning. So if you've got your Bible, Hebrews 11, just gear it up, open it up, or open your app up to Hebrews 11. We're going to read that in a minute. But we're going to look at the nature and the dynamics of faith uh, as according to the author of the book of Hebrews and how it's a very important way of life. Not a, we're not talking about a gift here. We're talking about a way of life. Now, when I talk about a way of life, if I was to ask all of us in here, let's, I, so give me some feedback. I'm going to ask this question. What, how would you describe, what are the few things, words, key words, that you would describe it means to be a Queenslander? Just shoot some words at me. What's the way of life of a Queenslander? Beach, forex, awesome, thongs, sunshine, <laughs> support the Maroons. Fog. <laughs> Sorry? I can't hear. Winning. <laughs> Winning. Traffic. <laughs> Passion. Yeah, like 
Like these are all these are all really good descriptors of when people look at Queenslanders and they ask, what does it mean to be a Queenslander? What is this way of life that you have? All of those words that you're spilling at me are descriptors of your daily living and your daily life and um, of what it means to be a Queenslander. One of the things that I really do love, and I know John and Naomi really appreciate this, particularly John now that they've moved back from Melbourne and that Bruce said for us is thongs, our footwear. We love the summer in the footwear. You know, our footwear is no footwear in the summer. We love that about being Queenslanders. I remember as a young guy when I was 11 years of age and we moved back from living in Sydney. We, we, we moved down to Sydney when I was about three and we moved back from uh, living in west, the western suburbs of Sydney. And um, so, but I started my schooling in Sydney and in the western suburbs. And, and at that time, the, um, the state school system or the public school system at that time, this was in the early 70s and mid-70s, uh, you had to wear black leather shoes and long socks as a part of the boys' uniform, school's uniform. That was just the state, that was just like, you know, the base level of school uniform across the board in New South Wales. But anyway, here I am, I'm used to wearing black leather shoes to school every day and coming home every day and having to clean them so they would last the year. And um, but, but then we moved to Queensland. And then we move up here into the Pine Rivers area because this is where my family or, uh, origin originates from. And, um, and I, I get registered to go to school at Kalanga and I turn up at school on this first day at the front gate and I look through the fence and my jaw hits the ground. And I'm like, no one's wearing shoes. <laughs> no one's wearing shoes. So after mum and dad dropped me off, whoosh, off they came. And I was just like, I love being here in Queensland. <laughs> I love it. I don't think nowadays you can do that because of all sorts of health and safety issues. But, but, but I loved, I loved that I came to Queensland. I didn't have to wear footwear. It was great. And every now and then you'll see that in the summertime here in the, at the, in the vineyard as well. Often whoever's preaching up the front here because it's so darn hot. We, we don't wear shoes. We do say it's holy ground though, you know, of course justify the, the, the bare feet, but there is a way of life that is connected to being a Queenslander and there is a way of life that is connected to being someone who follows Jesus and is a participant and, and a part of the kingdom of God. There's a way of life that's connected to that and that's what this writer of the Hebrews is talking about here in Hebrews chapter 11 when it comes to faith, when it comes to the dynamic of faith at work in your daily discipleship with God. It's a way of life. And so faith is not a wish in a moment. Faith is not some sort of, oh God, if only I could win the gold lotto, like, you know, or um, it's not an uninformed hope like, oh gosh, I don't know what to do in this situation with this person who is sick or unwell. Faith, faith is not that. Faith is not not feeling God's heart for the sick or the lonely or the lost and being unsure of what to do and waiting for some sort of thing to happen to me before I can engage 
with the lost or the sick or the hurting or the poor. Faith is, for the disciple of Jesus, a way of life. It is a way of living and it's a way of living that is fueled by a reality of Jesus as Lord. Faith for the disciple of Jesus is a way of behaving no matter what the context, what no matter what the circumstance that flows from a dynamic relationship of what we have encountered and believe according to the witness of the scriptures about who God is as our heavenly father, who God is with his son, one and only Jesus, and who God is by the person and power of his Holy Spirit. If you've got your Bible, why don't you open it up now to Hebrews 11 and we'll read through some of this together. Before we get there, remember I'm talking about vision. And there's two verses there. One is the NIV version and one is the message version. And that's what I like, that message version. It's a really helpful one. It says, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. They are most blessed. Okay, so we're talking about over this little while the nature of vision and whose vision are we serving. All right, you got your Bible? Hebrews 11. Here we go. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. Now, let's just think about that word commend for a minute, okay? These people were commended for those that just that, those actions of that first sentence there about the nature of faith. Let's, let's think about just on, um, you know, every year we take time as a nation to remember and um, celebrate our Anzacs. And over the last few years, we've had a number of returned soldiers who have done quite outstanding acts of valour on the front line of war. And so what we do as a nation when they return is we acknowledge what they have done uh, for the greater well-being of our nation and the freedom of others. And what we do is we commend them. And by commending, what we do is we, we honour, we give a place of esteem and thanksgiving and we often, you, you know, appropriately give them a, a badge or, or some kind of thing that says we are sincerely thankful for the way that you have gone about doing what you've done. We commend them. So when you think about this, now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. The guy or the person who's writing the book of Hebrews is thinking back on all of the people of the Old Testament journey, the long story of God, and, and, he, and then he begins to go and list them in Hebrews 11. And by doing that, what he's saying is these are the people of our long story in God, who God through the ages has used to lift up and commend a revelation of the kingdom into the earth. And if you would take the time to look at these people and their life and their journey, you would see how faith has been a part of that journey for them. Now I'm going to jump down to verse 8 where it says, By faith Abraham... When called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, 
obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. (laughs) That sounds a bit confusing, doesn't it? By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. So um, he's followed God, and the implication there in that verse is that both his coming generations were also blessed by his willingness to go to where God said to him to go. He, for he was looking forward to the city with the foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, Abraham, even though he was too old to have children, and Sarah herself was not able to conceive, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. So he's saying he considered God and the promise of God, he considered God faithful in that process and therefore in that um, he trusted God for what God said God was going to do. And so from this one man, as he, as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, as countless as the sand on the seashore. All of these people, so Abram and all of the others that are listed there, but we don't have time to read and go into, but all of these people were still living by faith when they died. We'll talk about that in a minute. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country not their own. If they had been thinking of the country they'd left, they would have had the opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one, and therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Um, this this little bit of scripture here is a very important one because in this bit of scripture, faith is not just a matter of belief, but it is a matter of behaviour based upon belief. And the author of Hebrews, he's not urging people to somehow conjure up faith, but rather to live by faith by the faith that God has given. And the faith which the author emphasises here is not saving faith, but a life of faith, a daily living of faith. Just quickly, it's interesting, in verse 8, it says this, by faith Abraham when called to go. Verse 9, by faith he made his home in the promised land. Verse 11, by faith Abraham, even though he was past age, And verse 13, still living by faith when he died. The author of the Hebrews is trying to make a point. (laughs) And I think it doesn't take much to get the point that there is involved in this following of God journey a role of a life of faith. Faith is the fruit of the encounter with Jesus. Faith um, leads us firstly, into a place of contemplation and consideration of is this God 
who is calling me into his great loving plan for my life worthy of following. God, in revealing vision to you in this season for your personal life and for our life together as a people here at Vineyard Pine Rivers, as Pine Rivers Vineyard, he's drawing us into a place of consideration. Will we consider, will we take the time to contemplate if God is worthy of our life? And if you do take the time to consider God as faithful, this is where faith begins to flow from the very faithfulness of God himself. Daily discipleship with Jesus invites us into a depth of relationship with God that will shape our decisions, it will shape our actions, because when we consider God as faithful, when we come to that consideration, we then actually become a people of conviction that live from that place of relationship. We are convinced And we're not convinced on the basis of, gosh, that feels good when you touch me, God, even though that is a very important part of the dynamic and process. Because often that's how God introduces himself to us, with the inbreaking of his power over our heart, over our emotions and over our mind and over our body. But at the same time, he's inviting us into a place of consideration, which means that we need to bring our emotional intelligence to this process, and then from that we become convinced. Now, what are we convinced of? We're not convinced of how we feel. What we're convinced of is the revelation that God brings to us of who he is, which is found fully in the face of Jesus. Fully. Fully in the face of Jesus. So God's not asking us to somehow figure up the framework of how to be convinced or how to be the a people of conviction, he's actually saying, if you would take the time to engage with me and my son, Jesus Christ, you will be convinced. Now, how do you engage? There's a number of different ways you can engage. Through direct prayer and conversation, through the reading of the scriptures, to the, to the looking at the testimony of Jesus through the life of those around you, and the listening to the story of God through others. And even just through random acts of God's inbreaking revelation and kindness. The point, though, is God wants to bring us to being a people who walk each day with Jesus' vision for our life. Jesus' vision for our life. And this is a walk that we walk with a sense of belief because Jesus is alive. He is resurrected. He is Lord. He is King. And we can follow him remember at the start of this year god said to us as we spent time considering what this year might be for here for us here at vineyard pine rivers he said these words in mark 1 15 through 18 when he said come follow me god is continually this year inviting you into places of consideration so that you might be convinced that it is right to follow his plan and visions for your life. But faith is an important place and dynamic in our relationship with God. And and so if you're going to get vision from God, it's going to require you to journey into this place 
of faith, of behaving on the basis of what you believe God has revealed to you. Kingdom vision also has this dynamic to it. Um, it says there in verse 8, by faith, when, Ab- when called to go to a place, he would later receive as an inheritance. Just want to pick up on that little moment there in that verse because it's a pretty big one. Um, the writer of the Hebrew uses the word called. When Abraham was called by God, and that word quite literally means this, to call aloud, to utter in a loud voice, and to be called by name. Um, all of those three, three things are in play here. When God was calling Abraham, and God, as he's calling you to follow him, he will also make himself known to you just loud enough so that you will know that it's you that he's calling above the rest of the noise of the crowd. He's very kind like that. It's a bit like, um, you know, as, as, a, as a child, as you watch a group of children playing, if, if I was to call one of your children by name, they won't respond to me like as if you, the parent, called that child by name in the crowd. Because the child is attuned to their parent's voice, their parent's ear, uh, their parent's calling. And so when, when, when God calls, it's like God as a parent, as a faithful father, as a loving God, calls us in such a way we know that it's him who's calling us unmistakably and for many of us that has led us to a point where we've come and we've said oh lord i want you to be the lord of my life and i want jesus to be king and that that's because he's called now a loud voice can be both a verbal literal loud voice and it can also be that unmistakable unrelenting pursuit of God for your attention and sometimes that's not a you know verbal voice but he's speaking just loudly enough through circumstances and relationships books that you're reading encounters with people that you're having where you begin to see God speaking to me just loud enough that I know that it's him who's calling me so pay attention to that. And, of course, there's nothing like it when, when he calls you by name. <laughs> it's just very personal and very powerful. But in the course of this year, as God has been and continues to reignite for so many people in this place a sense of Jesus' vision for their life, we are seeing people coming into a greater and greater awareness of God birthing in them not only his vision, but there's a sense of people becoming alive to, awake to, hearing that God is speaking and they're saying, yes, Lord. Now, a small note here about being called. In making the big decisions and the small decisions, can I just give a few practical tips that I think help me a lot? A lot. Because have you ever stood where someone comes along and says, I feel like God said this to me. And you're there going, yeah, it's not ringing the bell for me. 
but good on you for you. But they want you to follow them with what God's saying to them. It's like, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And it's like, and you know, we often, Nicole and I, we have this experience in our marriage. I feel like God's saying this. She'll go, well, I'm not so sure about that. And so I'm like, all right, well, how, how do we figure this out? How do we together work this out? Let me just give you a few little tips in making the big decisions and the small decisions. God is a God of revelation. And this book here, this book called the Bible, his written word is a living, dynamic and powerful word. And you just take a little bit of time reading that and what happens is you come alive to God. He makes himself known to you and you come alive to him. The scriptures, Psalm 119 verse 5, your word, Lord, is a lamp for my feet, it is a light for my path. The word of God. Just take some time and read the scriptures. That is one way that God will speak with you and begin to affirm and confirm things to you. The others is this, 1 Corinthians 12, hang around with people who've got the gift of discernment. And so there's literally a dynamic work of the Holy Spirit that is on people, a gracelet, to be able to help you to discern if what you are hearing is the Lord or you're hearing your own flesh or you're hearing the enemy. Have, have, 1 Corinthians stop. this is a generous gift of the Holy Spirit to help us when we're making the small decisions and the big decisions for our life. Reach in to the people of Jesus around you. Reach in toward, lean towards those that you know who have heard the Lord. And they've got like a, they've got like a history and a track record of like, you know what, they've got a long story in God. And a lot of the time, you know what, they, it's, they're hearing the Lord and we can see that they've followed the Lord and we can, we can see the track record and the history of the fruitfulness of that journey that's, that they've held in there with the Lord and they've led people into the kingdom and they love the body of Christ and they continue to love the lost and serve the poor. Take note of that, that long journey. There's, there's a discerning work of God in those people who have learned to live by faith, by faith. So approach them and say, will you pray with me? Or I want to tell you something that I think is the Lord speaking to me. Can you just bat back to me what you reckon? Don't be afraid of that process. Be, be, it's a gift from God. It's a gift from God where we don't have to do this thing alone because we were never meant to. We were never meant to. Okay? Um, and the last one I want to say is this. When, in making the small decisions and the big ones, remember your church family. Remember your small group leaders. Remember the elders of the church. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says this, when Paul's talking about being the body of Christ, where Jesus is the head of the body, in 1 Corinthians 12, 27, it says this, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The point being is you can't say to the body of Christ, Paul's saying, don't say to the church, don't say to the community of Jesus, oh, I don't need you in making this decision. That's wrong thinking. That's going to trip you up. That's going to lead you astray. What you do need is you can't say to the hand, I don't need you, or to the foot, I don't need you. Rather, the kingdom way, the Jesus way, the body of Christ way is to say, actually, I really do need you. 
I, I want to risk opening myself to you and asking, would you please help me figure this thing out that I think God's telling me? We need the church. We need the body of Christ. We need the fellowship of believers in making those decisions and processing those things that we think God is speaking to us. You know, at, at, um, at the start of 2016, 2016, yeah, at the start of 2016, when um, Nicole and I were asked to consider becoming the national directors for Vineyard Australia, there was two big things we did. One was... We personally went and spent time with Jesus and said, Jesus, we need you to tell us if this is all you. And if it's all you, then it's okay with us. And we'll say yes. And so we had that conversation with Jesus, both Nick separately from me and then me separately from her and then together as well before the Lord. And we had a very strong sense of the visitation of the Lord saying, this is all me and I want you to step into it. Now, the second big thing we did was we sent out, an, uh, well, as part of the process, we sent out a message to all of the pastors around Australia, vineyard pastors, and said, tell us, without, without saying, you know, Kirk and Nick have said yes, but tell us who you think the Lord is saying and why they should be the next national directors. And all these emails came flying back in saying, we think Kirk and Nick, I think 83% of the respondents were all saying, we think Kirk and Nick, and this is why. And they listed off all of these reasons why. And for us, that was a very important part of the process because the body of Jesus was saying to us, it's you if you just, it's you. And that was really important to us, that we heard this way and we heard from the body of Jesus. So when you're making the big decisions in the small ones, and the reason why it's important is because along the way, things get rugged, things get a bit tough in the argy-bargy of spiritual warfare, of proclaiming the kingdom and doing the kingdom and leading people into the kingdom and feeding the poor and all of that sort of stuff. It gets a bit argy-bargy. And in the context of that, sometimes you want to kind of go, you know what, I'd rather be pouring beer today. I'd rather be mowing lawns. I'd rather be doing anything but what I know I've been called to do. And so sometimes when you get into those spaces, the beauty of the gift of God in the people of God is they come around you and they say, hey, what do you think you're doing pulling away like that? Remember, God's called you. We're here to back you up. We're here to stand with you. We're here to support you. Come on, get your head back in the game. Get your heart back on the, on the sleeve and let's get going again. You, we need the body of Jesus like that for each other. So when you're making the big decisions and the small ones, no matter what size they are, God's given us a gift. It's called his people, the body. Lean into the fellowship of believers and, um, and see um, the Lord help you journey because this is part of what it means to walk by faith. This way and this way. Okay? That's a, can I just, like, if I was going to take a, a red pen and circle something on all of my notes today to, like, this one, that, that's, the, that's the one, okay, <laughs> in making your decisions this way and this way. Kingdom vision is, and the life of a journey of faith is also, an, it's a here now and it's a, a not yet here experiences at the same time. When called to go to a place that he would later receive, 
Now you've got to understand, he caught, now, anyone over 70 in the building? I won't ask you to put your hand up. How about I say anyone under 70? No, 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 I won't do that. But when he was called, when God said to Abram at the time, said, hey, I'm calling you, and he has this great experience around burning book, uh, um, of, of God calling him to leave his family and go and follow him. He, he was 70 when that happened. He got called at 70. Now, usually at 70 in the Australian context, most people are trying to get onto their retirement plan and their retirement lifestyle. Well, heads up, heads up, the biblical witness <laughs> is for those who want to follow God, 70 is a really good time to get called by God. <laughs> 70, that's when the action started for him. Now, the interesting thing was, while he was called at 70, it wasn't until 75 that he actually left home. So he took, he took, two, it took five years for him to actually consider God faithful enough to do the journey. But that five-year process, I imagine, was one full of lots of conversation and lots of, God, you don't know what you're asking me to do. You're asking me to leave my family of origin. You're asking me to leave all of my resources. You're asking me to go to a place that's not my own. It belongs to other people. And you're asking me to follow you? It took him five years to come to that place of consideration and then became convinced of it. And then he went. And I share that particular part of the story Because I want you to know God in that, I think, is really patient. And he's not upset with us when we say, hey, God, I I need some time to get in the same space that you are on this matter. And he's gracious and he's kind and he waited for Abram to get to that space. And it took him five years. It doesn't have to take five years, but I'm just letting you know there's room for a lot of conversation with the Lord. The Lord likes that. Are you hearing me on that? Because one of the things that the enemy will want to do is he'll want to, he'll want to get in your ear. He'll really want to get in your ear and tell you you're being rebellious and all sorts of things if you're not quick to move. The Lord is calling you. Take that time to consider and be convinced. Now, he went on from that point at 75 to live another 100 years. So Abraham, that he then became, he died at 175 years of age. And, also, and it wasn't until 100 years of age, so 25 years after um, he actually then left on the journey to follow God, it wasn't until he was 100 that he had a son that he had a son. And there's a whole backstory in all of that. But it was uh, the point I'm wanting to make in this is that when God calls, he calls us now into a place that we will later receive. And it takes faith. By faith, we go on that journey. By a sense of we are convinced, we are convinced 
because we have considered God to be faithful and true on the basis of the revelation of who he has been to all through the story of God in the Bible, to the story of the people that I live around and the story of his love to my very own life. He has been faithful. I have considered this. I am now convinced of this and I'm willing to make the journey and to go on this journey knowing that I've been called now and what he's, and, I, and I will receive the fulfillment of that calling at a day to come. This is a dynamic tension. We partner with God to see the vision fulfilled. We partner with him by saying yes. I'm talking about being a disciple of Jesus here. We partner by saying yes. We partner by saying I'm willing. We partner by sacrificing our resources, our time, our love, our energy to this calling of God when he says, hey, I've got an amazing vision of how life could be for you if you would let me be the author and perfecter of it. And it's going to be one that we need to make by faith. This is a dynamic tension when Jesus releases vision to us. I think I shared this once before many years ago that I remember when Jesus called me to follow him, I had this great vision that I was going to be standing in front of, you know, crowds of 20 and 30,000 people in the next few months, you know, and and that, that I would see them all bow their knee and give their lives to Christ and, you know, big oceans of people would come into the kingdom but god said that's all great what you think but here i'm taking you and he made me like a student pastor in a context where i had to serve a, a group of people who were you know that was 70 years plus 12 of those people every sunday for a year and love them and serve them and pray for them and teach them the word of God. And then I would sit down and they would say, well, that's great, Kirk. Now let's teach you a few things because we've been around a while. And I had to humble myself and I had to let God shape me through the body this way, even as much as I was letting him shape me this way. I had to do the time to steward the things that God has placed God placed in my heart when I said yes to Jesus. And the, this is what will happen for you too. But by faith, not, but behave, my, our behaviour on the basis of we, are con, we have considered and we believe God is worth following, we partner with him. It's a now and a not yet experience. It's not yet here. But Abram partnered with God for a 100 years and died not fully seeing, not fully seeing, not like in his time, but he could see it, but he couldn't, it wasn't here. It was, it was, he was carrying it here and he could see it there. And the scriptures tell us that when he died, he died living by faith. So the day that he died, he, he was carrying as much, you know, sense of the nearness of that fulfillment of vision right there you know it's right there as much as he carried it here it's a now and a soon coming thing and he had to learn to steward that and carry that with God and the way that he did that is where I want to finish it says there for Abraham was looking forward to the city with the foundations whose architect is the builder of God I don't want to go into the whole theology of what that sentence actually means but I do want to pick up on the verbs that are at work in that sentence where it says the posture of Abraham, where he says he was looking forward. So for a hundred 
years of following the callings of God, the posture of his life was looking forward. In the, 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 that word, those words literally mean he was reaching out in readiness to receive what God had said God was going to do with his life and what God was going to bring to pass. That was the posture of his life for a hundred years. A hundred. I've only been doing this follow Jesus thing for 25. He's like, he's there for a hundred years. And the, and the posture in that hundred years, and you can read the story. You can read the story. I'm sure that in the context of that big 100 year story, there are a number of moments where he actually wasn't reaching out. <laughs> There's plenty of color in his story if you go back and read his story. He actually wasn't reaching out for, in readiness to receive what God was wanting to bring. There were moments and times where he was reaching out to try and make happen what he thought should happen. And it actually brought great distress to the plans of God in, in his life and his callings. But at the end of the day, the scriptures tell us, the writer of the Hebrews tell us, that actually when he died, he died living in faith, by faith. In other words, he literally went to the grave in a posture of, I am reaching out and I am ready to receive everything that you have said you would do right to his last breath. Man, I want to I wanna go like that. <laughs> last week I got to go to, this week, I got to go to a funeral of a gentleman that was a part of this church near its very foundations, Kerry McQuaker. And Kerry, he, he and his family living on the other side of the city, incredible guy, you know, just, just a real freedom guy in the Holy Spirit, real just hungry to help people get free in Jesus and follow Jesus. And, and Kerry was, his, his funeral was um, on Wednesday. And, and as the family shared, as Scott, his son, shared the, the account of Kerry's last days, they were singing and worshipping Jesus in the hospital bed right up to his last breath. And he transferred into the eternity of the ages to come. He, he, that, that was an illustration of, with his very last breath, he was still convinced because he had considered God was faithful and what God had started, God would fulfill. And so he did not enter into that eternal relationship with Jesus in the age to come in anything but faith. I, I really pray that I might like fly out like that, you know, in faith and finish thing out. Like, I am ready to receive everything in the age to come in the here and the now. Now, there is a bit of a, um, there's a bit of a frustration that comes with this, living like this. It, well, actually, there can be a great frustration that comes with it. Because on the one hand, while we're looking for the future of the kingdom to come, Jesus says, now when you pray, in Matthew 6, because you're my disciples, when you pray, pray and ask for tomorrow's kingdom to come today. And you'll see glimpses of it. You'll see inbreakings of it. You'll see provision where there is none. You'll see healing where there is sickness. You'll see freedom where there's demonization. You will see poverty broken and people restored to economic well-being and health and community life. You'll see it. And you'll get enough of it that it'll make you hungry and you'll reach for more. 
your posture will be like, I'm reaching out, Lord, I want more. And that is the right posture for us. But there will be days of frustration where it feels like, oh my gosh, that reality is so far removed from where I am right now. But the, but the follower of Jesus, no matter what the circumstance, according to the writer of the Hebrews, has, con- like Abraham, considered and is convinced that God is faithful, no matter what's going on around me and what's going on in me. We're, we've considered and we're convinced that he is faithful. Do you know what the fruit of faith is? Faithfulness. Faithfulness. Not rocket science, is it? The fruit of faith is faithfulness. By faith is the journey of the follower of Jesus, according to the writer of the Hebrews. Abraham, so when it comes to your vision, not your vision, but Jesus' vision for your life, let me correct that, and Jesus' vision for our life together, like Abraham, these are some really important things. We need to consider our God is faithful we need to listen to him as he calls. And we will often find ourselves, this is a now and soon coming experience that we find ourselves, but the active posture is one of reaching out in readiness to receive all that the Lord wants to bring as the author and perfecter of our faith. I got a hunch that as we do that, you know those words... Well done, good and faithful servant. The words that we long to hear. Well done, good and faithful servant. I got a hunch that that's what we'll get to hear as Jesus commends us for our journey of living by faith. That we will hear it in the little moments and in the big moments. And then the ultimate moment when we get to see him face to face once more and there'll be no more tears or pain. We'll hear those words, well done, well done. It's him commending us to the Father, saying, look, Father, they've done well and Jesus will commend you. So I just want to pray this morning. Let's, let's, um, let's, let's pray together about this journey of faith of living by faith. And, um, and, and I think this morning there might be a little bit of a shift for some folk of, of their framework of understanding the journey this morning, where, where the journey of faith is, is going to become a little bit more dynamic and faithful and, and colourful for you. And it's going to connect you more, not only with this conversation that's taking place this way, it's going to actually open up doors and relationships and conversations this way that are for your good and for the good of those that you're walking among as well. I think God's just going to like, I don't know, shift, shift some thinking on that or, or he's going to actually open hearts more towards that as, as, as we pray this morning. So um, why, don't we, why don't we stand and pray? And let's stand and pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your great love for every person in this room. And I thank you that you, you, 
your goodness and your love and your power and your spirit is upon us. We love you, God. And we welcome you into this moment right now. Right now. Right now. We, w- we want to have a moment of consideration with you. So we just we enter that space right now. A moment of consideration. Lord, there's a lot of very um, personal conversation that's taking place right now. There's a lot of vision being birthed in this season. There's a lot of invitation and calling from you. Father, I bless that in the name of your Son and ask for more. More for the people of Vineyard Pine Rivers and, 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 and just more, Lord. Would you fuel that more, Lord? By the power of your Spirit, fuel that, Lord. Holy Spirit, would you come with manifest presence and affirm that conversation that's taking place right now for people? Let your spirit, let the electricity of your presence, let the fire of your presence, let the warmth of of your presence just fill our bodies, fill our heart, fill our mind. And, oh God, even speak, speak very audibly to the ears that are open right now. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Jesus, your words, your opening words, the kingdom of God is near you. Repent and believe. Lord, we just, we choose to repent. We choose to change the way we think about you because that's what repentance means. We choose in this conversation to change the way we think about you and ask that you would reveal yourself to us again. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Now, there's, for some folk that are in the room this morning, in this moment, you know that you don't need to be convinced anymore. And it's been a long season of consideration that you are hearing the Lord saying, now live like you are convinced of our conversation. It's time to live by faith. If, that, if that's you this morning, I want to invite you to just 
from where you are. Can you step out from where you are, out of your chair, out of the aisles that you're in, and just come and stand with me at the front? Because there's, there's a measure of God's blessing that wants to come for you in this moment. It's like you've, and it's, you know it's the Lord saying, hey, we've had a long conversation. There's been a lot of consideration that's gone into this, but it's now time to live convinced. To live convinced of this. Just come on down. That's it. Thank you, Jesus. I just want to say, God bless you. God bless you for your willingness to say, okay, Lord, (laughs) I'm convinced. And I'm saying yes. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Now, Lord, for those who are at the front, I just pray for an increased sense of the visitation of your spirit upon them right now. Just come, Holy Spirit. Come with more power. Come with more affirmation. Come with more affirmation. I ask for that direct affirmation that comes from you, God, straight into their heart. Just let it come now in the name of Jesus. Let it come now in the name of Jesus. Let that conviction come now in the name of Jesus. Now, there's a bunch of us in the room right now that are in, our, in the aisles and in, in the chairs. You guys, at this point, I want to say, God's grace is on you. This is out, These people out the front are doing the, the vertical stuff right now. And right now, they need the horizontal. They need the people of the kingdom to come around them to bless and affirm and encourage them with words of wisdom, prophetic utterance, and um, all sorts of words of healing and power. Just... I, can we just come around them right now? Just come out from where you are and just come and gather around them. So you may not do this much, but now's a really good time to engage, engage, engage. Because the Spirit of the Lord is on the people of Jesus here to encourage those that are saying, Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. That's it. Just come on up. Come on up. And twos and threes. That's it. Lots of folk. That's the way. Lots of folk. That's the way. More, Lord. More, Lord. More, Lord. Still just a few more. A few more folk need some prayer. That's it. That's it. Good stuff. So, Holy Spirit, just release all of your gifts and grace now on the people that are praying. Give them words and pictures of encouragement and let, let, let your manifest power just flow through them. To our, to our brothers and our sisters who are saying yes to Jesus in this moment. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Simone, if you want to gently play over the top of that, that would be great. Thanks, Neil. And while, while these guys are receiving some prayer, the, the team before church this morning felt like the Lord was going to heal people um, from tormenting dreams tormenting dreams where lies and accusations accusations have distressed you and Jesus wants to free you from that this morning and stress headaches and intermittent nose bleedings 
um, all of these things, Jesus is going to heal. Um, deep senses of unworthiness um, or not feeling not good enough for God, all of these things. And even, this is a different one, I haven't seen this one before, an addiction to technology. It's like you can't get away from it. It's like you, there's a compulsive thing about technology that you can't let go of. Jesus wants to free you from that. Um, struggling to see the way forward. I think the Lord's been working on that on a bunch of us this morning. Someone has a hurt elbow. They've fallen on the point of their elbow. And there's a, a, another one here about an anxiety about life. Come for prayer. Come for peace. Come for freedom. If any of those are for you, and you may already be up the front, just pray the Lord heal you of that. But if you're still there in the seats and any of that's for you, feel free to come on up and we'll pray for you this morning. Otherwise, we want to say God bless you. Have a great week in the kingdom of God. And I bless you to be a people who live by faith, considered and convinced of the Lordship of Jesus Christ over your life and His good plans for your life. We bless you and we bless this fellowship of believers called Pine River's Vineyard. In Jesus' name. God bless you, church. Have a great week.